Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Something about our guest speaker this morning. Um, Years ago, uh, Franklin Graham, growing up in the home of Billy and Ruth Graham, it wasn't a shoe-in for him. He rebelled against that. He will say in his own words that he, it's not that he didn't believe in God. He just didn't want God running his life. That was until he was 22 years of age in a hotel room in Jerusalem. He fell to his knees and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. I know that Franklin has said years ago that though God called his father to the stadiums of this world, Franklin always felt God called him to the ditches of this world to help people who were down and out. And that's why after his conversion to Christ, he started feeling the call to help the hurting people around the world. And with his organization, Samaritan's Purse, it's exactly what he does. After earthquakes, famines, hurricanes, any natural disaster, Haiti, they've been working in Haiti for uh, several years. In fact, uh, pray for that. He'll be doing a crusade in Haiti in about six weeks after a year of giving medical supplies and building homes and helping that culture out. Um, the truth is, Franklin not only reaches people in the gutters, but also does stadium evangelism as well. He's the president and CEO of both Samaritan's Purse, as well as the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Would you give a warm welcome to Franklin Graham this morning? Um, we have something special to do for you, Franklin. Uh, you may all know that we give shoe boxes around the world. What you may not know is some of those boxes find their way to the Navajo Reservation. There's lots of kids on the Native American reservations that are also in the same or similar situation as kids around the world, poor and destitute, and Samaritan's Purse has reached out to them. So, to honor that, one of our very own School of Ministry students, now planning a church on the Navajo Reservation, Landel Manali and his family, have a presentation they'd like to make. Come on up, you guys. Good morning, Skip and Franklin, or should I say, Yate Abena? Thank you. I would also like to give you a gift as well. Excuse I can say that too. Okay. You want me to try it? Sure. Yatahea bene. Was that? Close, close enough. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. What's your name? Ezra Benali. Thank you, Ezra Benali. I appreciate that. That's special for me. Thanks. And I would also like to present this gift to uh, Franklin. Uh, on behalf of the Navajo Reservation, we thank you for your ministry among the Navajo people. Uh, we, may the Lord continue to bless and keep you in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Franklin. That's a very special gift. That will be a, a gift that... Uh, We'll keep, and um, 
It will bring many wonderful memories of not just to this service, but to being able to work among the Native Americans in this country. Uh, they need a lot, of, uh, a lot of help. More than anything else, like everywhere else, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know that God loves them and that Christ died for their sins and that he rose from the grave. And that's what Operation Christmas Child is all about. It's uh, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ one box at a time. Uh, this church over the years, over almost 300,000 boxes. Uh, this year, 13,000 some boxes. It's just fantastic. It's huge. And, you know, people ask me, you know, Franklin, what's, what's the most important thing to put in a box? They expect me to say a doll, candy, or, uh, you know, it's prayer. The most important thing is your prayer. We know that God answers the prayer of a righteous person. Just one. But can you imagine 8 million, that's how many boxes we'll collect this year, 8 million people praying for 8 million children around the world, what God just might do uh, in answering those prayers. Because when we give these boxes out, people say, Frank, how do you, how do you give out 8 million anything? We do it one box at a time. And we distribute it through the churches of the world. Over a hundred countries, and we have relationships with churches in every one of those countries. So when we ship, now people ask me sometimes, Franklin, where's my box going to go? I don't know. Uh, You know, there's a lot of boxes out there, and um, they're going every which direction. But if we pray for the child who's going to get that box, I believe that God can guide and direct your box just to the person, to the child that God wants. Uh, we give these boxes to a pastor. Now, if you take a pastor and let's just take a, a, a difficult part of the world in Africa, like in the Sudan, and you give to a local pastor 200 boxes, and you tell him, listen, invite the children in the community to come to church and put on a play for the children. And then we've got a play that we've actually designed, you know, that can be used in third world countries. That's very simple, easy to do, uh, little costumes that the, that the local people can make. And you put on a play for the children and then tell the children that if they come to church to come to the play, you're going to give them a gift. Well, listen, you don't have any problem getting kids to come to the play, right? Now, some people say, Franklin, that's not fair. Who says anything about being fair? Um, they say, but you're taking advantage. I'm not taking advantage of the kids so I can get something for myself. I'm taking advantage of a moment, okay? You've got to take advantage of an opportunity to, to be able to reach these kids. And so every box is an opportunity to reach a child with God's love. I want the children to know that there is a God, that He loves them, that He cares for them, and that He has a Son. And that's what, we, that's what Christmas is all about. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. God's Son who came from heaven to this earth for the purpose of taking our sins. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He shed His blood for our sins. He was buried for our sins. And on the third day, God raised His Son to life. Jesus Christ isn't still in the tomb. He's not still hanging on a cross. He's alive. And you know what? He's here at Calvary today. And I want you to know that today, if you're here in this church and you have never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and to your life, your life may be so screwed up, it may be so upside down, you don't know where to go or what to do, I want you to know that today God will forgive your sins and He will heal your heart if you're willing 
to receive his son, Jesus Christ, by faith into your heart, into your life. And I'm going to invite you in a few moments uh, to come and stand in front of this platform to receive Christ by faith into your heart, into your life. So you get ready. Today can be the, the first day for the rest of your life. So you prepare to come. I want to look at a passage of scripture, Luke chapter 7. No, excuse me, Luke 19. <clears throat> See, I fooled you. Um, before we um, get into the passage, uh, it's 1 through 10. Uh, some of the places we're taking the boxes this year, uh, we're going to go to Haiti. Uh, last January, on the 12th of January, an uh, earthquake struck Haiti. Killed 300,000 people within a matter of minutes. Uh, there are still tens of thousands of bodies that have not been recovered. Uh, concrete buildings that just collapsed. Just floor after floor pancaked on top of each other. There's not enough heavy equipment in that country to remove this rubble. It will take years to, to clean it up. Uh, and so there's still bodies just everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's a tragic situation. There were three million people now that were homeless. The people that lived in the shacks and in the shanties and down in the, in the, in the uh, worst slums, most of them were okay because they were living in just cardboard houses and cheap tin little shacks. Most of them were okay. It was kind of the, the middle class of the country that lived in these uh, cement houses that, or, or apartment complexes that collapsed, and now they have lost everything. They have no place to live, and they're living in cardboard boxes, uh, they're living out on the street. Many people at night sleep on the asphalt because it's not mud. So if you tried to drive anywhere at night right after the, the earthquake, you couldn't drive because of the bodies of people sleeping on the road to try to find a dry place to sleep. Uh, it was one of the saddest, most difficult uh, places we've ever worked. Right after the earthquake hit, uh, we sent medical teams, uh, people like uh, Dr. Frist, uh, the former Speaker of the House, uh, or the majority leader, uh, he was there. We had teams of doctors. Uh, most of the work we were doing the first part or the first few days after the earthquake were amputations. Uh, people would come in with a leg that had been crushed where the building fell or the arm had been crushed. There was absolutely nothing you could do for them except uh, amputate uh, the arm or the leg. And then as the weeks passed, uh, that began to, to dwindle down. Then we began to see a lot of infections and, and people who were just sick, a lot of children with pneumonia because of sleeping outside with no place to sleep. Uh, there's, there, the ground was wet uh, and had absolutely no cover. We decided, you know, we need to start building shelter. We need to find a place to build shelter. So we asked what the U.N. was going to do. Well, the U.N. said, well, we're discussing this and we're having some meetings about it. And I went to some other people and asked them, what are they going to do? Well, we're waiting for the U.N. to kind of give us the specs on what we... <clears throat> I said, listen... I want you all to go down to Lowe's right now. I'm not putting a plug in for Lowe's, all right, but it's a North Carolina organization. I said, go down to Lowe's and, and, and just get some two-by-sixes and two-by-fours, and I want you to build me a 12-by-12 12 12, uh, square, and we'll wrap it with heavy plastic, but we'll put a tin roof on it, we'll put a gutter in the back, we'll put a downspout, and we'll take a barrel so a person can collect water. And I said, I want you to have that thing built by 4 o'clock. This was like 10 in the morning. The guy said, okay. So they went down to Lowe's, and I said, I don't want you cutting any wood. 
I just want you to use stock lumber and put it up, and let's see if we can make it uh, strong enough to hold something. 4.30, they're a little late. They called me. We got it. Okay, I'm coming over to look at it. So I went over to the warehouse where they set this thing up, and I looked at this thing. I said, you know, that's pretty good. And uh, I said, okay, let's put some bunks in here. So we took, uh, this thing's 12 by 12. Uh, the, the front was uh, t- uh, 10 feet tall. The back was 8 feet tall. So you had plenty of room. We built bunks on the side where we could put eight kids on the wall. Had a bed for the, for the parents to sleep. We put a mosquito net in there to keep the kids uh, from getting bit by the mosquitoes. And it's about a 1000 bucks. I said... How fast do you think we can build these? Well, don't know. I said, well, why don't we start uh, building? Well, where do you want us to do that? I said, Listen, we're going to start in Haiti. We're going to start next week. We said, well, we don't have the lumber. So we, we, we had to buy lumber by the shipload, okay? Took the lumber down there. But within about a month, we started building uh, these temporary houses, these shelters. We have since then, we have built 10,000 shelters. Each shelter has about 10 people per shelter. I mean, they crowd them in there. All right, we're going to build another 10,000. You say, well, Franklin, that's not the permanent solution. No, I'm not looking for a permanent solution. I'm just trying to get the people off the street. I'm trying to get them out of the mud and put the kids in those bunks where they're off the mud where you can protect their life. Now, we're going to go down with 250,000 boxes uh, right after Christmas. We're going to do some right before Christmas. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take some boxes down next week. We're going to distribute 250,000 boxes to kids in Haiti. These are kids that have been, most of them have been orphaned. Their parents were killed uh, when that earthquake took place. Uh, I'm doing a crusade down there on the 8th of January. The, the anniversary is the 12th, but we're going to go down on, I think it's Saturday the 8th, and we're going to hold a crusade in the main soccer stadium right there in the middle of Port-au-Prince, and there's about 300,000 people that, that live within walking distance of this, uh, this stadium. I don't know where we're going to put everybody. Uh, but we're going to have music, and uh, we're going to get up and preach the gospel, and we uh, hope we'll see a great harvest of souls. Uh, Haiti was given to the devil uh, when, the, when the slaves fought the French for independence. They, they gave the country to Satan. And voodoo is the official religion of Haiti. And 40 years ago, the, the, the Christian or the evangelical population of the country was about 3%. Today, it's about 30%. So God is at work in Haiti. So pray for us as we go to Haiti uh, to deliver boxes in the next few weeks and then to go preach and proclaim the gospel. It's going to be a, a great opportunity. But I want to thank you for your gifts. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And uh, every box that we give out, we give out in the name of Jesus Christ. So thank you. I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter um, 19. You know, the Bible says that we have a soul. We have a spirit. Every one of you in here, you've got a soul. You have a spirit that lives inside uh, this body uh, of, of ours. I um, had a friend of mine who uh, he was in law enforcement, worked with me in security for a number of years of Spent most of his life in the Secret Service. Uh, he, um, when he came to work for me, he was a rough, tough, foul-mouthed <laughs> uh, Secret Service agent. Uh, and um, uh, I, I began over the years just to, you know, witness to him. And uh, I saw over the years a great change in his life. And, and he invited Christ into his heart. 
And one day um, he, I heard, you know, he had cancer. He didn't have many years to live. And, and I just wanted to make sure that everything was okay, you know. And his name was Jack. I said, Jack, are you ready to meet God? Are your sins forgiven? Have you invited Jesus Christ into your heart? Is he your Savior? Do you know that for a fact? He looked at me. didn't even blink. He said, yes. And uh, he said it so strongly. I have no doubt that, that Jack was saved. And uh, over the next few months, we had a lot of opportunity to pray. Well, he died uh, about ten days ago. Went down and uh, participated in his funeral in Florida. But Jack is in heaven. And my question to you this morning, if you were to die today, would God accept you into his presence? Are your sins forgiven? Are you ready to meet God? And if you're not sure, you can be sure this morning because I'm going to, get, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to get up out of your seat and come stand here in front of this, this pulpit. And by coming, you would be saying to God, I have sinned and I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for me. And I want to invite him to come into my heart to take control of my life. And if you're willing to, to pray that prayer in just a few moments, God will forgive your sins. He'll heal your heart. And you can leave this church forgiven, cleansed with a new life and a new beginning. But you prepare to come in just a moment. Uh, this text uh, I want to look at this morning. We all have a soul. We all have a spirit. And where is your spirit going to spend eternity? The Bible says, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what should a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to look at this passage in Luke 19. A man who is in the process of losing his soul. Jesus entered Jericho, verse 1, and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus worked for Rome. Now, Jericho is a city about 17 miles from uh, Jerusalem. It's down in the Jordan Valley. I've been there many times over the years. Uh, during the time of Jesus, it was an important city. Today, it's just a little sleepy Palestinian city down there on the Jordan River. But back in the time of Jesus, this is where the caravans came from Arabia. Uh, many came from uh, Mesopotamia, and they had come through Jericho on their way to Egypt and other places. And so the Romans uh, put a tax collecting office there. And uh, Zacchaeus worked for Rome, and he was hated by his people. He was a corrupt public official. And I don't care where you go in this world, nobody likes a corrupt public official. He had grown rich 
from uh, cheating his fellow townsmen. He lied. He was a swindler. Uh, but you see, the Bible says we have all sinned and we have all come short of God's glory. Jesus was passing by and Zacchaeus wanted to come to Jesus. And maybe today you have come to Calvary because you want to come to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you in a few moments to give your life to Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission to this earth to take our sins. And it was our sins that put him on that cross. He shed his blood... For each and every one of us here, he died on that cross. He was buried for our sins, but God raised him to life. Jesus isn't dead. He's not hanging across. He's alive. He's here today. Now, Zacchaeus wants to come to Jesus. And you have this crowd, a big crowd. And he's a little guy. And he can't see over top of the heads of the people. He's on his tiptoes. He can't see. And maybe you feel that you're little in the eyes of Almighty God, that You're not important, that your life is insignificant. You see, you are important to God. Each and every one of Christ died for you. If you had been the only person to ever live, God would have sent Jesus Christ to rescue you from your sins. What are the obstacles preventing you from coming to Christ today? What's the obstacles? Is it the crowd here? You say, oh, but frankly, I'd be embarrassed to stand up in front of such a large crowd. Is it the crowd? Sin is an obstacle. Sin is a barrier between us and God. God is a holy God. And God cannot tolerate in His presence sin. He cannot do it. Uh, He cannot accept sin in His presence. And sin is disobeying God's law. And all of us are guilty of breaking God's laws. We've all sinned against Him. And you say, Franklin, what do you mean by sin? Well, telling a lie is a sin. Have you ever lied? Well, I've told a a little lie. A little lie, big lie, you know, a lie's a lie. Well, I've heard people say, well, a little white lie every now and then. What in the world is a white lie? I I don't know. Um, Stealing. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Well, I took some bubble gum one time. When they weren't watching at the store, I slipped it in my pocket. But that doesn't count. God wouldn't send me to hell for a piece of bubble gum. It's our sins That will separate us from God for eternity into hell. It's our sins. And we're all guilty. Uh, Adultery. Any type of sexual relationship outside of a marriage relationship is a sin. And there are many here today guilty of sexual sins. But will God forgive? You may say, will God forgive me for what I have done? Yes, he will. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. And he'll take that shame. He'll take the shame of sin away. And he'll give you a new life and a new beginning. But the only way you can come to God is through Jesus Christ. Murder is a sin. Abortion. You say, but Franklin, it's legal. It may be legal, but it's a sin against God. And there are women here today that that have committed abortion. And it's haunted you. And that shame has been there. But I want you to know that God will forgive you. I had a woman a few years ago, I was doing an interview for a magazine. And uh, the reporter, she was a very nice lady, but she asked question after question after question. And finally I said, well, can I ask you a few questions? And um, she, um, she had her glasses, and she kind of pulled them down on her nose, kind of like um, Charlie Gibson when he was interviewing Sarah Palin. He kind of <laughs> slipped them down, and she kind of looked at me. 
I said, uh, where do you stand before God? And she said, what do you mean? I said, are your sins forgiven? Her tears welled up in her eyes. I said, have you ever accepted Christ into your life? You know that he died for you. He shed his blood for your sins, and God raised him to life, and he'll come into your heart if you ask him. And now the tears were coming down her cheeks. I said, would you like to invite Christ into your heart this evening? She said, I would. She said, would you, I said, would you like to do it right now? She said, please. And we were at a table eating, and there's a lot of other people at the table. And um, we just bowed our head and began to pray, and they're kind of, you know, they're eating and kind of looking around like, you know, what's going on down there? Um, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I just said, dear God, she said, dear God, uh, I'm a sinner. She said, I'm a sinner. And uh, I said, I'm sorry for my sins. She said, I'm sorry for my sins. And we just prayed this prayer, and she asked Christ into her heart. And um, after she prayed that prayer, I mean, the tears were just now streaming down her cheek. And she said, and she grabbed me by my hand. She said, I have to confess something to you. I said, you don't have to confess anything to me. You just confessed your sins to God, and he's forgiven you. She said, I have to tell you. And she she got kind of loud. Now everybody's looking down at the table. I said, okay. She said, 20 years ago I had an abortion. Well, God forgive me for what I did. I said, he just did. He's forgiven you. She said, it's haunted me every day of my life. Every day of my life has haunted me. I said, you've been forgiven. And she just put her face in her hands and she just sobbed. Just sobbed. But she's forgiven. I hadn't seen her in years. I saw her last year for the first time in a long time. I said, how you doing? Big smile on her face. She said, I'm good. And I said, amen. But that's what, that's what Christ can do. He can take your sins. He can set you free. He can forgive you. And you can have that new life and a new beginning. All of us are guilty of sin. We're all guilty. Coveting. Worshiping other gods, bearing a false witness, not honoring our mother and father. All of us are guilty of some, all, and if you've kept all of God's law and just had one violation, it's still guilty. But the point is we were born into sin. David said, I was born into sin. He said, in sin my mother conceived me. And when, when the first man, Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God and broke God's law, sin has come into the world and it's infected the entire human race. And because of that, the whole human race has been lost to God. But yet God loved you so much, you, he, he couldn't tolerate losing us. And so he sends his son to take our sins. The human race was lost to sin, but Christ paid the debt. He paid the penalty. And all we have to do is be willing to accept it by faith. That's all, accept it by faith. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to give a lot of money. It's just receive it by faith. But what are the obstacles that are preventing you from coming? Is it pride? Maybe you think, well, I'm religious. You know, I was born a Catholic, or maybe I was born a Baptist, or maybe I asked a cab driver one time, I asked him if he was a Christian. He said, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, well, how did you come to faith in Christ? Now, he's looking in the mirror, right? So, he, And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. We're looking in the mirror. Yeah, and I could tell when I asked him, when did you come to faith in Christ, that uh, stumbled him. 
I said, well, how did you come to know Christ? Um, um, and now he's humming, you know, <clears throat> clearing his throat. He said, well, my aunt was a Christian. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, there are people who think that because they go to church once a year that they're Christians or they, they, their, their aunt was a Christian. That makes them a Christian, you see. So maybe it's pride. Maybe that's an obstacle tonight that you've thought, well, all these years I'm religious and I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. And so God's going to accept me because I'm a good. The Bible says none of us are good. There's none that are good, the Bible says. You see, God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. And I'm going to ask you to humble yourself before Almighty God today and receive Christ into your heart, into your life. Is it the love of this world that's holding you back? Maybe it's your businesses that you love and the money that you're making from your business or your job. And, and that's what Zacchaeus' problem. He loved his job. He loved his money. Uh, he had, you see, Zacchaeus had it all in, in the sense of the world. A good job. He worked for the Romans. And he made his money by overtaxing people. People come by, you know, well, that's a $10 tax. Well, yeah, but I'm going to charge you 20 Well, that's too much. Well, you either you pay it or you go to jail. That's the kind of power Zacchaeus had as a chief tax collector. And so he overtaxed people, and he put that money in his pocket. But there was an emptiness in Zacchaeus. Something was missing in his life. He didn't know what he was searching for. He just knew something wasn't right. And now Jesus was coming through Jericho. And he wants to see Jesus. But there's this crowd. There's this audience that was following Christ, and he couldn't get close enough. So he runs ahead and he climbs up a sycamore fig tree. And he's just going to watch Jesus as he comes by. You know, just check it out. He's searching, but he doesn't even know what he's searching for. But he comes to Christ. And he wanted to be cleansed from his sin. The Bible says the blood of, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. Today you can have peace with God. The Bible says through faith we have peace with God. Jesus told Nicodemus, one of the most religious men in the Bible, you have to be born again. What he was saying, Nicodemus, your, your religion and all of your studies and all of the good things you've done are just not enough. You have to be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can that be? Do I enter a second time into my mother's womb? How do, how do I do that? Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit has to give birth to spirit. Your spirit today has to be born again. Are you willing to receive Christ? You see, Jesus was passing by. Oh, Zacchaeus was up in that tree. Jesus saw him. And you know, he sees you here this morning. Jesus stopped for Zacchaeus. He's willing to stop here today for you, if you're willing to call his name. Jesus called his name. Zacchaeus. And he pointed to him, I'm sure. And he looked at him. And he calls his name and he says, I want you to come because I want to come to your home. Now Zacchaeus had a choice. The call was urgent. Come down quickly. Zacchaeus could sit in the tree. Now he could just sit there and say, you know, I think I'm going to wait and see what the Jerusalem Post says tomorrow on the front page of the paper. Or I might read the editorial and see what they say about him tomorrow. And... Uh, you see, Jesus was passing through Jericho. He was on his way to Jerusalem, and he was on his way to the cross. He was never going to come back through uh, Jericho again. Zacchaeus would never have that opportunity again. He would never have it. And Jesus calls him by name. And Zacchaeus came. 
And he jumped out of that tree. And he received Jesus Christ by faith into his heart. And when his feet hit the ground, he called him Lord. He said, look, Lord, if I've cheated anybody, if I'm going to give half of everything I've got to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. And that day, Jesus went to his home. And Jesus Christ can come into your heart's home. And my question to you this morning, do you know Christ? Are your sins forgiven? Have you met him? Is he living inside your heart? He'll take your sins. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll set you free. But you have to choose. It's your choice. It's by grace are you saved through faith. You've got to be willing to accept Christ by faith. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible says whoever believes in the Son hath eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for the God's wrath remains on him. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Will you receive Christ tonight? Will you or this morning? Will you trust him? If you're here this morning and you have never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, if your sins aren't forgiven, as we come to this Christmas season, what a way to start. Uh, to finish this year and to start a new year is to have Jesus Christ living in your life with your sins forgiven. You can leave this sanctuary, this great church this morning, forgiven, cleansed, but it's your choice. God has paid the price. He sent His Son to die on the cross, but you have to be willing to accept it. You can reject it. It's your choice. Zacchaeus had a choice, but when Jesus called him, he came. Will you come this morning? You're not coming to Franklin Graham. I can't save you. I can't forgive you. You're coming to Christ who took your sins to the cross, who died on the cross, who shed his blood, who was buried for your sins, who God raised to life. Jesus Christ is alive. He's here this morning and he'll forgive you. But you've got to be willing to accept it by faith. And if you want to be cleansed, if you would like to have your life changed, if you'd like to have that assurance knowing that your soul is secure in the hands of Almighty God, you just get up and come. And stand right here. And when you've come, we'll wait a few moments and we'll have a word of prayer. But this is, this is your choice. You can accept him or you can reject him. But God loves you. You come. Let us stand. I want to say a word to those of you that have come. By coming this morning, you're saying to God, I'm a sinner. You say, but Franklin, doesn't he know that? Yeah, he does. But he wants to hear you say it. And by coming today, you're saying to God, I'm sorry, and I want to turn from my sins. You come to Christ, you've got to be willing to leave the sinful life you've been living. And by coming today, you're saying to God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, who died for me, who you raised from the dead, and I want to invite him into my heart, into my life. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to repeat it out loud after me. Remember, we're, we're talking to God. Well, let's pray. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I want to turn from my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. I want to follow him as my Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.